The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 65th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my event of the week. Also, in 15 minutes, we'll be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week is Jeremy Lin living the American dream by signing a $25 million contract with the Houston Rockets. Lin Sanity will now move to Texas with an Asian fan base already in place from the Yao Ming era, while Insanity is left behind in New York as this dysfunctional franchise slammed Lin walking out the door after first responding to the Rockets' preemptive strike by saying they would indeed match the offer. Lin has been gracious throughout this entire affair and simply signed with the highest bidder, as was his right. And what were the Knicks doing, doing during this process? Bringing in point guards Jason Kidd and Raymond Felton before defaming Lynn. Jeremy didn't need his Harvard degree to make this smart move, not only for the money, but to take Lynn's sanity away from Nick's insanity. Well, my low light of the week is a continuing theme of Penn State's continued stagnation in standing still while the biggest scandal in sports history rages around them. In a week filled with more low lights, ranging from a plane hired out of Ohio flying over the Penn State campus, threatening to take the statue down, basically saying, if you don't, we will, to the former head of the Penn State trustees, a group themselves uh, called into question with the free report. Uh, but the head of the trust trustees resigned yesterday. So, in the midst of all this, a Boston Globe editorial this morning 
called for a four-year death penalty, and it was not on the sports pages. This was on the Boston Globe editorial page. And with their four-year death penalty recommendation, it would, of course, mean that a full four-year class at Penn State would never experience a Nittany Lion home game, which would perhaps begin the realigning of priorities at this institution. As all my listeners know, I grew up in central Pennsylvania, a stone's throw from Penn State, and as I have said in recent shows, I support the death penalty for this program and believe the trustees should self-impose it, but if they don't, then the NCAA simply must impose the death penalty. My bizarre story of the week is New York Jets wide receiver Santonio Holmes scolding the media for negative reporting. For a guy whose on- and off-field issues actually provides the media with the negative stories he objects to, he should know that if he kept his own nose clean, there would be fewer negative stories. Little wonder that the Pittsburgh Steelers chose to rid themselves of this talented receiver just after he caught the winning pass to beat the St. Louis, or excuse me, the Arizona Cardinals in the Super Bowl just a few years ago. My event of the week that I covered was an NFL conference call yesterday with Willie Rofe, incoming Hall of Famer and former New Orleans Saints offensive lineman. It was good to listen to Willie uh, discuss his career and the, especially in light of uh, the recent Bounty Gate problems with the Saints. And here's what Willie had to say about his illustrious career. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I, I came in when they started breaking up the Dome Patrol, and the Saints were getting surprised. I mean, two people weren't wearing them. When I, when I was at Blue Gun Tech, you had people wearing bags and all that stuff, and then they got two more, and, and I, that was a when, when after uh, Benson had brought the team, and Jim Finks was drafting well, and, and Games and people started having some pride and going to the playoffs. 
It's great to hear Willie Rofe discuss uh, some of the names that he played with throughout his career, uh, including names like Johnny Unitas. And Willie is now living out in uh, Irvine, California, south of Los Angeles, and doing some great things out there. And obviously, he referenced at the end the, the new era of the Saints, which has been, of course, led by Drew Brees since 2006, but the Saints are also known these days for Bounty Gate, and here was Willie taking on the question about Bounty Gate head on. Well, I don't think, I think once they start playing football again this year, they got Drew Brees signed, uh, you know, they lost Vilma, and, you know, maybe one or two guys, at the end of the day, yeah, it was, that's a tough deal, and, 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 um, and, uh, you know, I hope, I think they kind of got, because of the situation with the commissioner, with these concussions and stuff, I think they got kind of made an example of. But, uh, I think they're still going to be a real, real good football team, and I don't think that will, <laughs> as long as you got Breeze and, and those guys, you know, and, and, and maybe it'll hurt them something this year, because Sean Payton won't be there. But, uh, I, you know, Saints Hall of Famer, offensive lineman, uh, 
discussing his impending induction into the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he will be inducted uh, on Saturday, August 4th, coming up, believe it or not, in just a couple of weeks. And he'll, he will be going in with a class that includes Dermonte Dawson, Chris Dolman, Cortez Kennedy, and Jack Butler, as well as Curtis Martin. So he has a couple of offensive linemen joining him. And uh, it's going to be great. It's always great. And last year, you all remember with the lockout, the uh, one casualty of the lockout was the Hall of Fame game. But it's back and will be played this year between uh, the New Orleans Saints, fittingly enough, and the Arizona Cardinals. So, should be good and uh, and hard to believe that football is just right around the corner. NFL training camps are opening next week, and uh, Patriots up here will be opening on uh, Thursday, July 26th. And uh, but I think the very first team to open up will be uh, the Arizona Cardinals. On Monday, hard to believe, as in three days from now. So that will be terrific. And but before that begins, uh, the other thing that we have happening this weekend, of course, uh, as we speak, is the British Open. It's great. It's been on all morning. It certainly uh, spices up the mornings for television sports viewing, to put it mildly. Tiger Woods is having a pretty good day. He's one under par for the day. Uh, so he's four under par for the tournament and, uh, six shots off the lead behind Brent, Brent Snedeker, who is just absolutely burning up the course today. He was just hitting every putt imaginable. So, uh, don't know about you, but one of my favorite times of the year is the British Open in general, but specifically, uh, Sunday morning, waking up to watch the British Open, uh, is one of my favorite Sunday mornings of the year. So, with that said, it's, uh, and as my former co-host, Lee Mont Williams from Outside the Huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be Barry Brubenstein of the New York Post. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. 
Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby, broadcasting live from Boston. And to join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us now is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, how are you doing today? I am terrific, John. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Appreciate you calling in, as always. And Barry, uh... I started off my show talking about Jeremy Lin signing with the Houston Rockets. Uh, I know you're based, obviously, down in New York with the New York Post. And the Knicks' reaction and handling of this situation is of great interest in generating lots of news. So uh, what's your take uh, coming out of New York on the Jeremy Lin signing with Houston? Well, it's actually been been very polarizing, to be honest. And, you know, there's there's... There, there's a lot of there's a lot of really cogent thoughts on both sides of the issue. I mean, the bottom line I think the Knicks was they really you know, I think initially they really did want to keep them, but you know, and initially they were they, they they were very very much out there and saying you know what we're gonna we're gonna match don't worry about it we'll match any offer and there was there was actually one quote uh, saying. Uh, uh, from a source that they would they would match any any offer up to a billion dollars for Jeremy Lin, and this is actually what what we said. So there was really you know once once uh, he signed the initial offer sheet with the Rockets, there was really wasn't you know a whole lot of you know consternation or nobody really got upset. So they found the Knicks will match anyway, no problem. But I think it was once it got to the point where um, Jeremy Lin went out to Las Vegas. Uh, it was after the initial uh, offer sheet signing. He apparently went back and they re they rejiggered the contract and they backloaded it in a way that it made it very difficult, if not impossible, for Nick to match without uh, going over the lux- going over the threshold and paying the luxury tax, which is something the Knicks have been adamant in not doing. They're already over the cap, and uh, if they had matched the backloaded offer that the Rockets had amended. Uh, just re-sign Jeremy Lin, it would have put them in a, in a situation where they would, would have had to pay a, you know, upward, upwards of 40 to $50 million in year three of Lynn Steele. So there was, a lot, there was a lot of thought, well, you know, we can't do that, and we don't even know if the guy's worth it. I mean, let's face it. I mean, 
Lynn Satney was a wonderful phenomenon, and it really was. It was exciting, and you know, we, we, we talk a lot about it on, on the show during the season. Uh, it was yep. really magical. I mean, you had Jeremy Lynn on the covers of, of Time and Newsweek, never not to mention SI, and he became an international phenomenon. And, of course, you know, uh, people in China, I mean, it just, it just sparked so much interest. And it was just, it was, it really was insane. It was an insanity. And I think, um, you know, certainly, uh, I suppose we, we, we got, we got a lot of mileage out of it, you know, where every Jeremy Lynn pun you could think of was probably on our back page, you know, for several days in a row for, you know, for the better part of two months. But, you know, it was, it, it got to the point where they just, they didn't feel that, you know, this guy had a good run, but, you know, you kind of wonder if he really would have followed up on that this year. I mean, you know, when you get right down to it, you know, if you really, if you, you take that two months aside, you, you, you throw that out the, out the window, and he's pretty much a journeyman player. I mean, the Rockets let him go. I mean, the guy was a free agent. The Knicks picked him up because of injuries. You know, they needed a spot to fill, and he was, for a time, he was on their roster, not even really playing, and it got to the point where they almost released him, and the coach at the time, Mike D'Antoni, was like, you know, let's play, let's see if this guy has. Let's, before we decide to let this guy go, let's see if he can play. And then it just, it just sort of, the phenomenon just sort of took off. But the other fact, the other, the other, uh, the other part of this, this equation is that I think that there was so much to be gained by the Knicks to keep Jeremy Lin for the merchandising, for, for the sales of jerseys. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere in New York without seeing a Lin Sandy t-shirt or Jeremy Linders, I mean, it had gotten to that point. I mean, you walk through a sporting goods store, uh, Models or Sports Authority, what have you, I mean, they have racks and racks and racks of Jeremy Lynn merchandise, and they couldn't keep it on the shelves. I mean, you really, you couldn't get it. It was, it was, it was, it was crazy. You go to a Nick game, and they'd be selling Jeremy Lynn jerseys. It was just, it was really a phenomenon. And you kind of wonder, my feeling on it is, okay, maybe from a basketball standpoint, it would have been very difficult, you know, to go over that, that threshold of electric taxi you want to do it. Okay, I get that. However, I think that when you factor in all the other stuff, all the marketing, all the attention, uh, all the tickets, I mean, ticket sales, people are going to go to the garden to, to see the mix anyway, right? I mean, they've sold out all the time. That's not even really the issue. But I think the right. issue is awareness. And in New, in New York City, you know, and people have said, what would something have happened in, say, you know, Minnesota or Charlotte or, uh, you know, anywhere else? Probably not to that extent because, you know, everything's a bigger story in New York, whether, you know, no matter where you are, you have to admit that, you know, New York is the media capital of the world and it's, and, and, and it's always a big story if it happens in New York, no matter what it is. But I do think, in my heart of hearts, I think the Knicks would have been better off re-signing Jeremy Lin just to keep riding that wave because it really was an amazing thing. And even if it didn't pan out to the level uh, of insanity that we saw last year, I, I do think that they would have continued to reap the benefit of the marketing. You know, certainly he would have still been a, a, a heightened awareness, uh, you know, commercially. And all very good points, Barry. Uh, you know, when he arrived on the scene, he made the Knicks relevant. Uh, more relevant than they had been in many, many a year. And then when he, uh, you know, to me, they should have re-signed him for the simple reason that the New Jersey Nets are moving to Brooklyn amid much fanfare. And uh, even though it appears that Dwight Howard potential deal is dead for him to land in Brooklyn, uh, you know, the Nets are clearly making some noise. They're going to... 
uh, go do everything possible to steal the back pages. And nobody knows more about the back pages uh, of the New York tabloids than Newberry. And uh, so I think for that simple reason, the Knicks should have never let it get to the point where he became, you know, uh, just a, a free agent, allowing a team like Houston to come in and, and sign him. But they should have just, uh, you know, signed him well in advance of this just to keep themselves uh, relevant, hopefully help them win the battle of the back pages in New York, which is so important. It really is. And, uh, and yet they just, uh, let it get to this point and open the door for another team to come in. And Houston, uh, was glad to do so. Yeah. And I think that, you know, but the, I think I agree with that. And they, they probably should have been more proactive in, in making sure that he was in the fold. But, you know, there are other factors too. I mean, he really thrived under Mike D'Antoni's offense. Mike D'Antoni is gone. Mike Woodson's the coach now. Uh, he thrived with Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire both sidelines. Well, they're both healthy again. And there were, uh, despite what Car- Carmelo Anthony has said, uh, there was the prevailing thought that, you know, he would have had a very difficult time coexisting with Jeremy Lin. And, you know, and like it or not, this is Carmelo's team. And, you know, I'm not really sure how it would have worked with, with the two of them. Uh, you know, on the court at the same time. We didn't really get to see that because Jeremy Lin uh, injured his knee shortly after Carmelo's return, so we didn't, never really got a chance to really see see them all together when the team was healthy. So, you know, I, I think I think that was an issue. And I also think the issue of, of, of Lin going back to Houston and and the Rockets, you know, uh, jiggering that um, that offer sheet, I think the Knicks, I think James Dolan and, and, and the Garden really thought that, you know what, that was really a slap in the face. And, you know, who does this guy think he is? You know, we did everything for this guy. We gave him a shot. And it was more like, well, the heck with him then. Let him go to Houston. So I think there was a lot of, there was a lot of uh, uh, issues in the back room there. But I think bottom line, you know, when you look at the big picture, I, I agree that they really should have, they should have signed him. And I agree with you that they should have, you know, made it a priority to sign him, not let it get to that point. Uh, but that said, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the big picture, the Knicks were better off with Jeremy Lin than they are without. Yes, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, it just seemed like a fait accompli. I, I was just surprised as the whole thing unfaded, uh, unfolded because I just thought for sure they're just going to sign him and that'll be that. I mean, again, you know, clearly the talent level is in question. We only have a 25 game sampling. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's clearly an NBA-level player. And just on the marketing alone, I thought they should have just brought him back, signed him to what would have been a more reasonable contract than what they would have had to do once the Rockets centered the picture. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's fascinating. Uh, you know, the Knicks, I mean, their, their recent history has not been good. And then, uh, obviously, they signed Jason Kidd. He made a less and gracious entrance back into the Big Apple sports scene a couple of weeks ago, obviously. And uh, and then they went and signed Raymond Felden, which was, to me, the absolute death knell of Jeremy Lin returning. I mean, it, it, you, know, yep. you know, that just sealed the deal right there. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, that... Uh, they're going to be in a battle with uh, the Brooklyn Nets now for back pages and sports coverage in general. And what's the thought down there about uh, 
you know, the Brooklyn Nets actually moving to Brooklyn finally. Well, you know, I, I agree that there's, there, you know, it's still, you know, Brooklyn is not New York City. I mean, it, it just, it just isn't. However, uh, you know, the Nets, you know, help themselves a lot. I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna be, you know, they're gonna be in the conversation. Uh, they went out and got Joe Johnson. They, the, you know, Darren Williams agreed to resign with them. Um, you know, I think the, the, the Dwight Howard talk is, is dead for the moment. Um, you know, we, you never know where that's gonna go. And at least until December, at least until mid-season, uh, you know, the Nets, uh, when they decided, you know, we're not going to, you know, play around anymore here because they felt that they had to resign Brook Lopez because he was going to get offer sheets from at least two other teams reportedly. So they figured, you know what, we don't want to risk losing this guy and then not getting Dwight Howard. Then we're, then we're really up the creek. So they resigned Brook Lopez and, you know, they feel that they have the tools to the pieces to, you know, really make some noise in the Eastern Conference and they probably do. I mean, you got Miami, you got the, you know, uh, Boston, uh, you got some good teams in the East. So you really do have that dynamic now, uh, in Brooklyn of a team, you know, excited about a new start, uh, opening a brand new arena. You know, you have Jay-Z as your owner. So, this, and, and, uh, uh, Mikhail Prokhorov has, has shown that he's not afraid to spend money as the owner, as, you know, as the main owner. So, yeah, you got all, there's a lot of excitement, uh, for the new franchise, for the new team. Uh, it's not a new franchise, but, you know, for the new team, you know, they'll be unveiling their new uniforms shortly. So, yeah, there's a lot of excitement about this. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think there will be a lot of competition, uh, in New York. Uh, you know, the Nets are really going to try to, you know, kind of, kind of dig into the, uh, dig into the, the Knicks fan base. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. Very interesting season ahead. Oh, I think it's going to be extremely interesting, and you know, well, because on New York in New York is uh, you know is news because it is New York, so it is. It's going to be fun to see how it all unfolds in Brooklyn. And uh, with that said, let's uh, take our break. And I know you're sticking around with us on the other side, Barry. So we'll talk to you right after the break. Great. flagship station for sports voice america sports if you're looking for a radio show about boxing you usually can't find one until you stop by the voice america sports channel tune in to outside the ring with former world lightweight champion and u.s olympian david diaz we'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters we'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time outside the ring with david diaz airs every thursday at 3 p.m eastern time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback. 
and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 346-9144. And still with us on the line is Barry Rubenstein from the New York Post. And Barry, as we signed off uh, on last week's show, we had the breaking news that Drew Brees had just signed a $100 million contract with the New Orleans Saints in advance of... Uh, Monday's trade deadline to sign franchise players. So Drew Brees is in the fold. Wes Welker is not in the fold with the Patriots, so he'll be playing on the franchise tag. We also had, in the last couple of days, RG3, Robert Griffin III, signing with the Redskins, rookie contract. And, of course, number one pick, Andrew Luck, signed yesterday with the Indianapolis Colts. So, what are your thoughts on all the uh, happenings in the NFL the, this past week or so? Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, everything's, you know, gone pretty much, uh, you know, uh, as far as each team has wanted them to go. I mean, obviously the Saints wanted to sign Breeze. Obviously the Redskins wanted to sign RG3. Obviously the, the Colts wanted to sign uh, Andrew Luck. So, yeah, I mean, things are kind of falling into place. No, no big surprises really. Um, you know, as far as Wes Welker, I mean, you know, he, he obviously had a great season uh, last year, but you know, it, it, it's a business, and you know, it, 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 teams need to react, uh, you know, to to make it the best for their teams under strictness of the cap. So, you know, to franchise them out, you know, that's something the Patriots obviously felt they had to do. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, you know, the the, the NFL is, is is always finding a way to. You know, it's getting the headlines all year round, even when it's, uh, you know, baseball season or whether we're talking NBA or whatever, British Open or whatever, you know, the, 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 the NFL always finds a way to get in the conversation. And, uh, you know, it just shows how popular the game is and, and how much we love football and how much we really can't live without football, I think. Uh, you know, it's kind of a statement on, on the big picture of, you know, it's, it, it, it's clearly taken over as, as the number one sport in the U.S., and, uh, you know, they're doing a great job with it. They really are. And, uh, you know, even though there's been some, some uh, you know, off-the-field news of, you know, of guys getting arrested, you know, your, the Kenny Britts and the Des Bryans and all, all of that, um, the NFL still manages to keep a, a pretty positive outlook uh, as far as the league, as far as the teams, as far as the business of the NFL. So, you know, it just kind of kind of just marches on, I think. No, I mean, it, 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 again, it just kind of shows the power that the NFL has and 
the, the, the way that, that the league markets itself and the way the league operates. It's just the, kind of this, this juggernaut that just keeps getting stronger and stronger and stronger, um, you know, as we, as we go on. I mean, you know, in the middle of July, you know, training camps are set to open soon. But, you know, I, I don't ever remember a show that we did. It seems that we haven't talked about the NFL. It's just always a constant topic. And it's just, again, it just shows how, how, excuse me, how big the league is and how popular it is. It's just getting more and more and more so, I think. Well, it's remarkable, truly. And uh, finally, after a lot of uh, off-field talk, we can get back on the field this Monday. Hard to believe when the Arizona Cardinals begin their training camp. And uh, one thing that uh, I'm on the NFL news release list, so I can speak to the fact that uh, there is non-stop news coming out of the NFL uh, 52 weeks a year. And they sent out, you know, in advance of training camp, uh, you know, they sent out an interesting news release this week, something we've all observed, but I had to see the numbers were interesting, which was simply that, with training camp beginning, that there are now more than half of the league now holds their training camps at their facility, i.e. Patriots at Gillette Stadium, 20 minutes from where I live, and... In, to, in contrast to in the year 2000, only five of the 31 NFL teams held their training camps at their facility. So that's pretty interesting to me. I mean, I, I benefit because, you know, I used to drive to Bryant College in Rhode Island to cover Patriots training camp, 40-minute or so drive. Uh, and now I drive, you know, 15 minutes to Gillette Stadium, and it's all very familiar to me because uh, I know Gillette Stadium like the back of my hand, obviously. But the New York, the two New York teams, the Giants and the Jets, correct me if I'm wrong, are both going off-site. The Jets are going up to, is it Cortland, New York? Cortland, and the right. Giants. The Giants are in Albany, that's correct. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I... As, as you say, there are a lot of teams that do see the benefit of training at their home base. I mean, obviously, you know, the first consideration is, you know, travel costs, you know, the cost of putting your, your, your team and your whole staff, uh, up, you know, somewhere else, uh, whether it be a college, whether it be wherever it is, you know, for the better part of, of a month. I mean, think of all, of all the money that you, that you spend just on that, whereas, you know, you really don't have to deal with that. Uh, when you keep them local, I mean, obviously you do have, you do need places for them to stay, but, you know, yeah, I, I think, you know, you don't have the, the, the enormous travel cost of, 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 of carrying your whole organization, you know, off-site, you know, for a month of change. So, yeah, that's obviously a big part. But I do think, uh, you know, maybe there's just less, uh, more, like I said, more of a comfort level of doing that, whereas there are other teams, you know, like the Giants and Jets and other teams in the league still feel like they need to, you know, bond. They need to, you know, really focus. You know, to get get uh, get these players. You know, maybe away from family, friends, other obligations, um, and just to focus on football. So yeah, I think you can make compelling cases uh, either way. I think it's up to it's up to each organization, each coaching staff, uh, each administration to figure out what, what works best for them. And obviously, they're doing that. And like you say, it just seems like more and more teams are uh, are finding it you know a better situation. To, uh, to train, uh, you know, in their backyard, so to speak. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I grew up uh, in central Pennsylvania, and the Steelers trained then and now at St. Vincent's College in uh, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. 
uh, home of, by the way, Arnold Palmer. And so it was about an hour and a half drive for me. And I drove over often. It was wonderful, you know, out in the beautiful hills of western Pennsylvania. And, uh, and you know, Mike Tomlin talked uh, this week about how excited he is uh, in the team building aspect of, you know, coming together away from home. And then John Mara, to, to your point, uh, talking about they're going to Albany for the 15th year, the Giants are, and uh, basically saying that starting the season in Albany gives the Giants the best chance to succeed each season. So, you know, I find it interesting, yet here I am, uh, you know, where I can go over to training camp uh, anytime I want, very, very short drive for the Patriots. And, you know, it's all just right there. They don't train in Gillette Stadium per se. There's practice fields right behind the stadium. And, you know, I, I can see the value to both, but in the same light, and, I, and I've had pretty solid experience with both, but in the same light, I, uh, I, I'd i have to say, you know, I would be in favor of, uh, you know, saving on the travel costs and just having it at Gillette. You have all your rookies just sort of hunkering down right off the bat in the facility where they're going to be playing, so they're getting familiar with it. And then, uh, and then you know, it's all just right there for them. They're using the locker room they're going to use during the year. They're, you know, again, getting to know the area, the facilities. Uh, but, you know, it, it is an interesting question. I mean, how long have the Jets, by the way, been in Cortland, New York? Has that been a long-term thing or, or I, No, or it has not been because for, for, years, so. the Jets, for years the Jets trained out of Hofstra, Long Island. Oh, ah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right. And then, and then they, but then they moved uh, to um, FDU in Madison, New Jersey, uh, which is just a, you know, pretty much a stone throw from, from the Meadowlands, not the maybe a 20-minute drive. Uh, and it's only been the last couple of years, I believe, that they've moved uh, up to upstate New York. The Giants have trained in upstate New York for years. Uh, for years, they trained at uh, in Westchester at uh, Pace University in Pleasantville, New York. When I was a kid, that's where the Giants trained at Pace. Um, and then uh, and then they moved to, to Albany. You know, like you said, it's been going on 10 years now for the Giants. Um, but I, I, I think the other factor, too, is it's almost kind of an old-school thought of, you know, Getting the team away from the the, the local from the local attention, away from the local media, um, you know, to kind of sequester them and and kind of bond. But you know, maybe maybe back in the day that was true. But these days, you know, with the you know with the twenty four hour news and sports cycles we have, you know, uh, you still have fans attending. You still have the media going. I mean, every every newspaper, every media outlet sends their reporters to training camp. So it's not like they're getting away from the media really. I mean, you're, they're all still there with TV cameras and. All the newspaper reporters and all the print and all the you know people on the internet—they're all there. So you know, it's not like you're really escaping anybody. So, but uh, yeah, it's it just you know, like we said, it just depends on you know each individual franchise and, and what they feel more comfortable with. And obviously, the Giants and Jets, uh, as well as many other teams, still still see value in you know traveling for training camp, just you know getting away for a while. Whereas the other teams like the Patriots see the in you know what, let's just. Uh, you know, let's just hunker down at home and, you know, get everybody settled over where we're going to be all year. And, 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 you know, there's that familiarity aspect to it. So, yeah, I mean, you can, I, I think you can get a compelling argument both ways. Yeah, well, I'm sure Santonio Holmes would uh, prefer that the media not follow them up to Cortland, New York. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the comments that he came out with in the last 24 hours in a podcast. 
but basically blaming the media for all the negativity surrounding the Jets, which was, I talked about it in my opening segment, that's so beyond laughable since he is the guy that actually brings on a lot of the negative coverage because of his antics. So I, I decided to laugh and just say, you know, game on with San Antonio Holmes and the Jets getting, uh, you know, getting, getting headlines for all the wrong reasons be, before training camp even begins. Yeah, and, that, and that's unfortunate because, you know, uh, there's actually been a, a really uh, a feel-good approach uh, to the Jets this year. I mean, you know, whether it's, you know, bringing in Tim Tebow to raise interest, whether it's, you know, Rex Ryan, you know, losing 106 pounds, uh, you know, there's been a lot of positives around the Jets. And, you know, for, you know, for Antonio Holmes to, you know, blame the media for the problems, I mean, you know, Maybe if Santonio Holmes, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, you know, say strange things or, or, you know, uh, you know, let down his teammates like he has in the past, uh, you know, put down his quarterback, put down his teammates, uh, to the media, then there wouldn't be anything bad for the media to say about the Jets or Santonio Holmes. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like our mom and dad folks when we were kids, right? You know, when you're, when you're pointing a figure at somebody else, you might as well just be pointing at yourself too. So, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you really need to take stock before you start blaming other people for your problems. Yeah, well, I don't know what's wrong with him. He, he's like, what a knucklehead. I mean, for him, you know, to close last year with basically being benched in the last quarter of the last game as they missed the playoffs, and then to begin this, follow that up by beginning this year, the weekend before training camp begins with uh, these comments, uh he, he is a different breed, a different kind of cat, to say the least. And uh, one thing I'll say right off the bat is, as you well know, I do public relations in addition to all my media work. And the number one rule of public relations is you cannot win a fight with the media. So nope. for him to take the gloves off, you know, with training camp less than a week away is just bizarre to me. But, well, Barry... Uh, it's time for our break, but I'm glad you're sticking around, and we'll talk a little baseball when we get back on the other side. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard Hitting Radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us still is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And uh, Barry, I attended the Red Sox-Yankees game at Fenway Park uh, less, just about two weeks ago. It was the one game the Yankees lost to the Red Sox during the four-game series. And uh, you're down in New York, and the Yankees are literally looking like uh, the Bronx Bombers, Murderer's Row, all in one. Uh, they are looking awesome. What's the uh, what's the mood down in New York City with the Yanks? Well, it's funny because it, it, it's almost like the the Yankees are are so far ahead of everybody else right now. I mean, you know, to have a nine game lead in the in the middle of July, that's you know that's that's uh. You know, that's, that's, that's miles. So you know, we're way ahead, and it almost seems they're, they're kind of on cruise control. And you know, in, in a way, it's kind of funny because you know, there's you know, there's 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 all these people that are uh, a group of people that are like, well, what about the rotation? You know, uh, A Rod isn't hitting like he used to. Uh, you know, this guy isn't producing. That guy, your cheater's getting old. All this other nonsense, and you know, oh, oh my God, Mario Rivera's after the season. What are we going to do? And meanwhile, they're still rolling over people, and they just seem to just just keep marching on, and nothing's really getting in their way. And you know why? And while all of those things I mentioned may be you know, maybe maybe concerned, it really hasn't hurt them. I mean, uh, there's really nobody else that's really been able to challenge them. And unless they go into a prolonged slump, which I really just can't see that happening. I mean, yeah, I mean the rotation hasn't been that great. I mean, some of the pitching hasn't been really good, but I mean, but. Bottom line, when you look at things, I mean, C.C. Sabathia was on the 15-day disabled list, and the Yankees actually extended their lead in the division while he was hurt. So, you know, it really nothing nothing really seems to bother them. You know, the big picture is, you know, they're winning at at a at a really remarkable clip. They're head and shoulders the best team in the American League as far as you know what they've done so far this season. And uh, you know, I think they're the the collective thought in New York as well. Let's just look ahead to the playoffs and let's just make sure CC Sabathia is healthy. Let's make sure we're, you know, we're, we're as healthy as we can. Let's make sure, you know, these small issues don't turn into bigger ones and, uh, just kind of move on from there. So in, in, in a way, it's almost like kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it's been a very business-like approach to the Yankees. I and mean, it, it's like, you know, there are, there are days in, in New York where, where the Yankees beat somebody five to two, you know, you know, fill in the blank pitches, you know, seven innings of one run, three hit ball. And you know, so one other guy hits a home run, and it's like the same thing every day. So you know, if you're a Yankee fan, it's great, but you know, it, 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 it's almost kind of been—I I don't want to say boring, but it, it hasn't. The Yankees have not been the most compelling story, only because you know they're pretty much just going about it in a very business-like, very professional manner, which is you know, which is really what the best Yankee teams throughout their history have done. So it's really no different than any of the uh, juggernaut teams they, they they put on the field in the past. Uh, but they're just really. I think it would be different if you had, like, say, maybe, you know, uh, 
the Red Sox or the Rays are really challenging them, you know, uh, for a division lead or, uh, you know, you know, Baltimore was doing it early on, but they've kind of faded a little bit. And, you know, you still have other teams in the, in the American League. I think Texas is really good. Um, Detroit's good. But, you know, I don't, as things stand now, I don't really see anybody knocking off the Yankees. I just don't. And, uh, again, they're doing it in a very, very uh, matter-of-fact manner, a very professional manner. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the way they've handled it and that's the way they've, they've succeeded so far this season. Yeah, it was interesting to me, you know, sitting in Fenway Park uh, 13 days ago, right near the visitors on deck circle. You know, I was watching the Yankees uh, just basically prayed up, hitter, <clears throat> hitter after hitter. And, you know, it just reminded me a lot of the old days uh, where, you know, literally back in the 50s and 60s, not that I was there for that. But, you know, from what I've seen, heard, read that, uh, you know, it just seemed like every guy coming into the on-deck circle right in front of me was an all-star, a household name. They all seemed, you know, literally bigger than life, like, you know, almost like outsized cartoon characters and uh, no steroids pun intended there. Just like, you know, it, it felt like a men against boys type of thing. And, you know, like all the other games in that series, the Yankees scored immediately in the first inning. Like they just walked up to the plate and started bashing away right in the top of the first, led by Derek Jeter. And, uh, you know, and it was just bombs away. And even though the Red Sox did win that game it was the only one they won in the four game series uh you know it just had that men against boys sort of feel to it and uh and by the way you know i heard a report that uh mariano rivera is thinking about trying to come back in september which would make him one of literally a handful of athletes ever to tear his acl and come back in the same season, you know, Rod Woodson did it with the Pittsburgh Steelers back in their Super Bowl year against Dallas in the mid-90s. You know, it's becoming a little, little more common, but for Rivera at age 40 or whatever he is to potentially end up doing that uh, would be nothing short of remarkable. What are you hearing about that story? Yeah, I mean, he's, he, he is an amazing athlete, and the reason why he's been able to continue at such a high level throughout his career going into you know going into his forties is that he has kept himself in such remarkable shape. I mean he works out, he he's so well conditioned, he takes care of his body so well and has throughout his career and his rehab uh, has gone way ahead of schedule. And uh, we ran a story just the other day in the post saying that yeah, I mean he's he's not ruling out, you know, coming back in September, which would be truly amazing, you know, right? Like you like you just said. A guy tearing his ACL, you think, well, he's done. But not, not, not Mariano. I mean, he's, he's, he has that reputation of being such a hard worker and such a perfectionist at his craft that, you know, you, I would not put it past him to return. You know, I, I think there's a possibility of that. I mean, they're not backing on it, but they're just, but even the fact that they're saying, hey, you know, you know what? It's a possibility. I mean, which is, that's amazing in itself. But, you know, you know, getting back to what you said before about, you know, the Yankees just kind of taking care of business at the place. You know, and you talk about you know them looking like cartoons. They autom- automatically, to me, you know, the image of that old Bugs Bunny cartoon with the gas house gorillas coming up to the plate. Each guy, you exactly, know, so, right, swinging a tree trunk for a bat, and just the, the, the conga line going around the bases with that da 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 da. Remember that? That's just that's yes. to me. That's what, that's the kind of those kind of images. So yeah, I mean, it really it really is like that, I and mean, it really kind of like a cartoon come to life. You might say. 
Well, thank you for doing that because you just uh, <laughs> painted the picture of what I was trying to say, and that's exactly what I was trying to say. Is that you know they just feel but, like yeah, uh, just, again yeah. cartoon characters slash men among boys, and uh, well, God help the rest of baseball if uh, Mariano Rivera returns to this already just devastating lineup. Uh, it would be you know something to behold and. Uh, Barry, believe it or not, we're under a minute, so I'm glad we got in a little talk on all three major sports, basketball, baseball, football, but I personally am uh, just watching Tiger Woods just miss a long putt as he tries to get closer to uh, to the leader who's six strokes ahead of him. Um, so that leads into my highlight of the week uh, for weekend viewing, which is, uh, of course, the British Open. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the show, one of my favorite Sunday mornings of the year is watching the British Open. And will you be watching, Barry? Uh, possibly. You know, if, okay. uh, it, it, if it's, if it's going to be compelling, I'll watch it. You know, it's, uh, you know I, I think with golf, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's really all about, for the American sports fans, really all about Tiger Woods. And I think if Tiger's in contention, that makes it much more compelling, I think, for everybody. And Phil Mickelson, to a lesser extent, but I think it's really all about Tiger. If he's, if he's in the hunt, then then people are going to watch it, and that, I, I think that's that's kind of the state of of, of golf now. I mean, you know, we saw when Tiger was out, um, you know, uh, certainly the numbers went down uh, when he wasn't involved. But now that he's back playing at playing at the level we're used to seeing him play at, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be very compelling TV. So that's I think that's what people have to look forward to. I think you're right, Barry, and. Uh... Well, he's in third place right now, despite the fact he's six shots behind, so he doesn't have a lot of people between him and the leader, and that's always a huge, huge plus. So we'll all tune in on Sunday morning, and Barry, I want to thank you for joining us today. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're able to uh, provide a musical interlude as well. That may be a first on this program. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, we could always use that. We always need something new. And uh, as always, Voice America listeners, thank you for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.